This is the Reasonable People Podcast with Alex and Greg. Reasonable talk for reasonable people, mostly. On this episode, we look at an unavoidable part of life, arguments, called a small disagreement, a differing of opinions, or a full-out rant. Either way, we live amongst their collateral damage daily. Does it have to be that way? Are we slowly losing our ability to argue well? And is there a way to rethink arguments that not only lessen the damage, but make them healthy and productive? We think so. So let's get started. Hey, Alex. Oh my gosh, Greg. That was an awkward intro. That's what I specialize in. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Planted a garden because, well, have a lot of time on my hands. Literal garden or like a figurative garden? No, a real garden. I mulched it and everything. It's a weird word. Mulched. Yeah. It sounds like fun, though. I, I can't say I'm, I'm a big gardener, but I like to know there are people out there that are. So thank you for filling that. That role. Yeah. It, it, it's what I do in my spare time. Hmm. Besides this. Besides this. <laughs> All the hours of podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's good. As we were talking about in preparing for this week's podcast, that we need to be more concise in what we say. And mm-hmm. I'm not very good at that. And I think you've said that you struggle with that, too. We're, I think we're both verbal processors, so we kind of process as we're asking questions. Mm-hmm. And thinking about that, an example I thought of watching, I don't remember the name of it, but there was some documentary on Star Wars and why one of the reasons why the prequels were not very good. It's because the lightsaber battles they were actually acted out to their fullest and there were and that loses the suspense the mystery the 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 imagination from the viewers and i i i disagree with you and i think it's stupid wow <laughs> right away you didn't even hear what i had to say i think where you're going i don't appreciate it have you ever watched Star Wars? There's so many people that would say the same thing, would agree with me. I think you're being unreasonable for this reasonable podcast, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> hey, this is probably a good segue to talk about what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today? I have no idea. I thought you knew. Oh, dear. I'm on Facebook right now, so I don't Well, I'm TikTok, so this should be interesting. <laughs> That's actually more impressive. Yeah, so I think, well, I know, what we're going to talk about today is basically kind of what we kind of acted out a little bit is disagreeing, disagreement, and something I have seen, and man, is uh, online, and it's funny, you mentioned Star Wars, you know, there's so many different things that are happening in in our lives, and, and there's so many things that we can disagree with, it's part of life, we know that. But I just, I don't know about you, and you can tell me what you think, but I just feel like we have lost the ability to disagree with people without either cutting people down, like you just, like I just joked around, did about the Star Wars thing. I'm crying. Um, it's fine. And, or being able to do it in a, in a cognitive, thoughtful, and <clears throat> reasonable way. So what do, you, what do you think about that? I think that's, I think that's a good topic. Especially for the people that have a lot of time on their hands. I think there's a lot of things to think about. Yeah, I agree. So take like, let's let's go to the thing that I think most of us will experience. And I think it takes all of two and a half seconds to scroll through your Facebook news feed. And to see someone posting something that you disagree with. Or someone disagrees with. And someone lights it up, right? It turns into a reply all storm and there's 300 comments and people are attacking each other and it just gets super messy, super quick. I'm sure we've 
neither of us have ever been involved in any like anything like this. We're much more reasonable than others that we would do that, right? I mean, we would never participate in something like that. Yeah, I, I I'm not a very passionate person, as you as you know me well. Mm. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because a to- you know topics that I would get pretty passionate about, which is actually this is one of them. So. I will be pretty passionate about this, but you know, any topic that has to do with human psychology or cultural issues or basically what makes a person work, I get pretty passionate about. And that, and that kind of touches a lot, but you know, so anyway, Facebook online, you see this happen and it always bothers me so much because without a doubt, there's always something being said that completely misses the mark of what either the post is talking about or the post itself is a little off and seems more attacking than informative. So I did like a quick little research, quick little little Google, and I found this thing called, and I'm going to try to say this, and I'm going to mess it up, and then you're going to help me. <laughs> oh, is it that word? The online disinhibition effect. Oh, disinhibition. you did it. They do it? Disinhibition. Disinhibition, the online disinhibition effect. This is literally from a a medical journal. It says, while online, some people self-disclose or act out more frequently or intensely than they would in person. So this effect literally is touching on what we're seeing every day, that there's something about online that is allowing people to feel more free to either self-disclose, which is a whole nother topic, or act out or respond or attack more frequently and or intensely than they would in person. So I thought that was kind of a cool framework to really kind of dig deeper into this because I want I have theories as to why that might be, but I would love to hear from you some thoughts as a counselor you know, when you see these things happening online and you see a post and, you know, the political ones are easy, right? Those are that always something happens there. It's always, you know, on fire and people are freaking out and people are attacking. And before you know it, everyone's fighting each other. But, you know, what what are you when you see that happening? What are you thinking? What are what questions are you asking either about the people who are saying them or about, you know, the response that you're seeing? Hmm. It's a good question. I, well, it, it, it really depends on the post, the initial post of the, the person that's, that's posting that doesn't necessarily have, have the pattern in real life to speak what's on his mind or her mind. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know why, why is it easier for them online? Is it because they don't see the person they're talking to that there's kind of this get out of jail free thing on Facebook or social media that allows people to say whatever they want? And I'm, I mean, I'm talking about myself too. I I have, I've posted things out of anger. I've posted things out of sadness. I've posted things out of just raw emotion and I think as a counselor, I think everybody has this this need that we were created for that we we want to be met in that emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't mean that that emotion is the right thing at the right time, but I think there's a deep longing for people to be recognized for feeling a certain way. And there's been a lot of there's been a lot of people that I've counseled that they do not feel the freedom to express themselves or to talk to their family, to talk to their parents, or to talk to their spouse or their children about how they feel, or it's a child that's talking to his parents or her parents, that they just don't feel like if they brought up what they were feeling, it wouldn't be met with, I am so sorry you feel that way. That Yeah. I, I'm here. I'm with you. Not necessarily want to be fixed, want to be told what to do. It's a lot of just meeting people where they're at. 
Yeah. And so I, I guess I would just want to know what is actually happening with that person. What do they actually need in that moment? What are their emotions telling them they need? Yeah. And I feel like that the nature of, and this is what we talked about last podcast, right? The nature of on the online world doesn't necessarily lend itself to that, that sort of interaction. And, and I think there are groups and places that do that well, but most times on the, you know, the online world, any sort of social media doesn't lend itself to that warmth that you would normally get in an interaction with someone who cares. Yeah. And so, but I, th- I think you're, think you're right. There's definitely that, there's definitely that need to go deeper and and I'm with you. That's the first thing I think about is what is going on with that person to make them respond that way. So there's definitely a, there's definitely like a, a, what we would call like a soul care. Right. And I was coming at it from the person that was posting initially. Right. And what you just referenced is the person that is commenting. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Well, yeah, I think either way, it's probably still the same, still the same, motives and and needs you know whether whether they're posting or responding to a post and they're having these emotions and and stuff like that i think it's the same thing and i think knowing the person helps and being able to engage in that level but so i would call that like the heart right Mm -hmm. but there's also this other thing that maybe is a little more of what we could talk about is is the head the brain the intellectual engagement and what what maybe i'll call sparring that happens online that is so interesting to me and and they all connect. I mean, you can't just separate the heart from the mind, right? That's, that's not, that's dualism. We don't want to do that. They, they work together, but I think there is this interesting thing that happens. And again, I don't know if Facebook or social media or, you know, just the online or, or even take news, you know, and I don't, I don't want to go too deep into it, but, there's a for most there's a news channel for everybody and their perspective and and most kind of acknowledge that but there's this intellectual thing is happening and I, and I've I've done a lot of reading on it I know we've talked about it and I kind of wanted to go into it about what's going on in the brain when they're responding to some things so I I picked up one phrase that I wanted to throw out it's called cognitive bias and Cognitive bias, and this is the stuff that I go crazy on. I love this stuff. The cognitive bias is, uh, according to this article I'm reading, is a type of error in thinking that occurs when people are processing and interpreting information in the world around them. The human brain is powerful but subject to limitations. And cognitive biases are often a result of your brain's attempt to simplify information processing. There's a, a bunch of different types of cognitive bias and we'll go through some of them because I think some of them are really interesting, maybe just one or two, but there is definitely something that I see happen in posts that makes me not only say, I wonder what's going on with the person, but I also think, what are they thinking? Like where, Hmm. where did they get that, that from? So any, any quick thoughts about that before I maybe go through one of the cognitive biases? No. Perfect. I, I got nothing. <laughs> awesome. I got nothing right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, and I can't wait to go through some of them. Yeah. So maybe right before I do, I've, I've hold up this quote. It's a quote from John Stuart Mills, who is a British philosopher in the 1800s. And he says, so long as an opinion is strongly rooted in the feelings, it gains rather than loses in stability by having a preponderating weight of argument against it. For if it were accepted as a result of argument, the refutation of the argument might shake the solidity of the conviction. But when it rests solely on the feeling, the worse it fares in an argumentative contest, the more persuaded its adherents are that their feeling must have some deeper ground, which the arguments do not reach. And while the feelings remain, it is always throwing up new, fresh entrenchments of argument to repair any breach that was made in the old. So I think basically what he's saying is a lot of the opinions that we have are really deeply rooted in feeling and the hardest part, really basically what he's saying is you can't change someone's mind on, on fact alone. Hmm. Most people hold the views they have, not just because of an intellectual transfer of knowledge. There is absolutely emotion and feeling in it. 
And I, I think, Wing, this is what you were saying before, that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a good thing. I think you can't disassociate that part of a person's experience in life and say, well, feelings don't matter. Right. Or, you know, they don't, they don't, they do. They absolutely do. You can't do that. I mean, you just can't. So I think what he's saying is basically, and this is what you see in Facebook or talking politics with people or family or, you know, a, a, an important topic in someone's life, that when there's an argument or, or a disagreement happening, the harder the push is on those feelings, the deeper entrenched they actually feel. Yes. And the deeper entrenched they are, the less likely they are to ever even hear the other side. Yes. I mean, I, what I picture is like someone literally digging a hole and like you're pushing and you're saying in this imaginary scenario, don't dig a hole. It's not a good idea. And then they dig a little more and they go, no, it's a great idea. And you're like, well, don't dig a hole because if you keep digging a hole, you're not going to get out. And they're like, no, I can get out. And they keep digging. And before they know it, they're past the point that they can get out. Like mm. there's this literal entrenchment happening that is so difficult to get to if you don't engage both the brain and the heart. So let me ask you, I know that's a, a, a silly example, but let's let's keep going. What would make you stop digging? Would it be me trying to ask you or kind of dignify or make you feel important about the digging? Like, that's a big hole you're digging. How come you're digging that? And then you would, you know, respond to me in a, in a more positive way to my logic. Like, Hey, that's a good hole. But if you keep digging, have you, have you, do you know how you're going to get out? Yeah, and I think that is that is an avenue. And I think, but what we maybe only uh, also need to recognize, and and I think you know this much better than I do, is that there are multiple avenues to engage a person where they're at, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like finding the right one. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, there are some people who are going to bend more towards an intellectual argument or facts or. Mm -hmm. You know, you maybe someone like show me a scientific article and that'll that'll get them somewhere where someone else will say, I don't really care, you know, and it'll be more of like a heart thing and, and emotions right. and feelings. And everyone has a little bit of of both, but some have a little bit more. So what the way I was going to respond is what if it was jumping down into the hole with the person and saying, mm. hey, this is a really big hole but I'm here with you. Can we talk about this? Which yeah. is, I think what you basically what you do as a counselor and using we language, like how, how do you think we're going to get out of here? Yep. Mm -hmm. But because Absolutely. I'm doing it with you and I've come down to your level, you're more receptive to, yeah, I didn't think about that. I've learned the, the ways I relate to people sometimes the best mm -hmm. is what I call basically shoulder to shoulder. And it's doing work with someone. So, I mean, take, you know, in any sort of career, anyone could relate to this, that the way you get to know people is sometimes by just going and doing the work with people mm -hmm. and making it less about, oh, I want to get to know you. It's more like, okay, hi, my name's Greg. Nice to meet you. We're about to do this project. And right. then you get to know them as you go along, shoulder to shoulder. And I think that's kind of maybe what you're talking about too, is that sort of, it's, well, it's we now, it's not me and right. you, it's we're in this together. And sometimes when I'm counseling, because there is this power, you know, dynamic that I, I, I don't necessarily like, but, you know, because I'm in the chair and they're on the couch or whatever, it's just an unnatural feeling. And I find it really helpful is self-disclosure. Is I since I want to meet them where they're at, I want to I want to tell them, hey, I struggle with this too. Or, yeah, the other day, you know, I I lashed out at my wife because I was really scared or angry at something. <laughs> you know, like I, I want to meet my clients where where I have struggled mm -hmm. and that's how yeah. I connect to people. So wrong or right. I, I really do enjoy meeting my clients where, where I know I've been 
and they and they have this tendency to respond in, oh, wow, I thought I was crazy, or I thought I was some kind of narcissist, or I thought I was, yeah. I thought I was too dirty, I thought I was too broken. It's like yeah, no. too deep in the hole. Yeah, it's like, yeah, dude, I was there last week. I dug a really, really <laughs> deep hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have all. We've all dug a very deep hole before, and there's been someone to jump in the hole with us and say, hey, it's a pretty big hole, huh? How, like you said, how are we getting out of this? <laughs> but again, to kind of come back to what we're saying, that is often not happening in, in, in the argument, in the disagreement. In fact, I would say when the arguments happen, whether it's on Facebook, and I want to keep, I don't want to keep going to social media, but whether it's on social media or whether it's, you know, with your spouse or with your friend or coworker, I think where the argument always goes wrong is when the people start to believe in the me and not the we, like is what you're saying, right? And that can so easily and, and subversely happen that it's it's so difficult to, to see. And I feel like more and more, I believe we have lost the ability to disagree well and welcome dissenting opinion. In fact, in my job, what I do, you are considered bringing value to the table if you are a dissenting opinion. If mm. everyone just says yes and no one brings an outside perspective that challenges, then it doesn't work. You need someone in the mix to say, okay, I'm not exactly sure. In fact, there's a whole thing on what they call red teaming that came from the military and it's really fascinating but they're basically teams of people work through every possible scenario it dissenting opinions things that maybe aren't possible that or at least most people don't think are possible and they work through them all to be that opinion to say okay here's what we think will happen but there's this one other opinion and they talk about how that one other opinion so many times has proven not only true, but almost saving wars and businesses and political strife with countries. And it's really interesting, but another, another topic, but yeah, I agree with you. And I think so the, the, the feelings, the connection, all important, but then kind of what we were saying before to go back to this cognitive bias thing, there, there are literal things that we can, I feel like we can look out for maybe it's a little bit tangible for people as they're discussing with family, friends, Facebook, social media, whatever it might be. And one of them that is so prevalent, and I never knew what to call it until I went through like a psych 101 class uh, in my undergrad, and they went through cognitive biases, which there's tons of them, and it's really interesting to read. But the one of them I feel like is so overwhelming right now is what they call confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. And confirmation bias is the favoring of information that conforms to your existing beliefs and discounts evidence that does not conform. Mm -hmm. So I think right away you you kind of sense the trouble in this, right? So that means someone says, you know, I believe in this person. This person uh, has done all right all the time and can't be wrong. Then this person B walks in and says, oh, I actually have some information that might not, that might go against that. And person A says, nope, that doesn't fit. No, I've, he's always been great. I will not believe it. And an argument ensues and no one gets anywhere. That's a confirmation bias. Um, or on Facebook, <laughs> which is really interesting, social media and businesses have almost monetized this, that when you are searching and going through your newsfeed or Google or whatever it might be, they know that you really kind of just want to see more of what you already believe. Hmm. And, and they've monetized, there's algorithms that are, that are kind of scraping information about you and what you like to look at and posts you interact with and, you know, political or religious and, and you start getting fed, serving up more of what you already wanted and believed. And it becomes this confirmation bias, which is you just get more of what you already believe and less of what you don't. Mm -hmm. And like we said before, that's so dangerous. So extremely dangerous. So confirmation bias, then, 
is I feel like one of the more the more prevalent things that we see and it's and it's so easy now and you know again man we're going to talk about the coronavirus again I can't believe this but the coronavirus stuff what is that what is that about there's so much information going on and I'm not going to name anything particular but there let's just say there are many dissenting opinions on mm. both sides and I think I've told talked to you about this uh, and other people it's so difficult now to know what's true. Right. Like, I think you wind up having to, at some point, pick a side and say, this seems to be the most logical, reasonable view on what's going on. But the confirmation bias, what that does is it blocks you from seeing the other side, whatever side you're on. Yeah. And says, yeah. it doesn't fit. And it doesn't fit, so I must kick it out. Or, or I will have to add that there's a, a fear. So, t- yeah, talk about that because I think fear is important. So I posted a post of that that woman scientist. There's a video that went around, millions and millions of views. YouTube tried to shut it down, yep. claiming that coronavirus was built in a lab, that if we've gotten flu vaccines, there's, there's strands of corona in us. So if we have, you know, if we've gotten flu shots, that means we're more, we might get the coronavirus more there's a more risk just just wacky things she was saying mm-hmm. well i posted like something about my hope is in in jesus because who knows what reality is or or like in, on this world like i i just i don't know what to believe anymore there's things being passed around on on facebook youtube whatever and I I got responses with, you know, since I worked in, in campus ministry, you know, I have young people looking up to me and I shouldn't post things like that. And because I posted it, it means I agreed with it. Gosh. And all I wanted to do was post and be like, this is so frustrating. I'm so sorry for the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what to think anymore because I'm not a scientist. I don't know what to believe. It's like, it's like asking your accountant or your your financial advisor like what you should do and he and and I never understand what they're saying. And there's a <laughs> bit of fear in that because since I don't know what they're talking about then they must be failing me. You just say, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, my pride comes in is like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, that, um, mm-hmm, yeah, that account right there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. Big uh, returns. Dividends. Big oh, yes, yes, yeah. dividends. Plenty, I like dividends. Plenty of those. I'll t- mm. take a couple. Retained earnings. Yes. I say yes mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I think there was a lot of fear in, in, in people commenting, saying I should take it down. And Really, I just wanted to present a view that was being shared on Facebook that I don't know what to think. Somebody help me think through this, not chastise me for posting it. Yep. And and maybe maybe I should have posted it differently. Maybe I should have asked the question like, please, you know, if you have thoughts, I, I just want to learn. I sh- maybe I should have done that. But I wasn't saying you should believe this. This is truth. This is... This is real. This is happening. Yep. But man, I, I, I eventually just took the post down because it wasn't constructive criticism. It 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 was more just like, you idiot, get get that stuff off Facebook. You know? And 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 I just wanted to argue back. <laughs> I'm so glad Abby was right next to me. And I just want to argue back. And I think I did say this because I I do value critical thinking, just like this podcast. I want people to have conversations. And I basically just told the guy that said, you know, young people look up to you. It's like, well, so are you saying young people can't critically think through something? Like, because Alex is posting it, he's, they're going to believe what I post. Like, I want to believe in more. I want to believe that they can take something I post and think through it and have their own thoughts. Yeah. So that bummed me out. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. And I think it that is a, a daily that's so sad that there's there's something that daily frustrates 
Daily frustrates me. But <laughs> the um, daily frustration. That's our daily next podcast. Fr- there you go. <laughs> frustration <laughs> daily. Ooh. Let's go let's go down the list. But <laughs> no, I th- there are it's it's so frustrating because I like you and 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 my wife will say it's not worth it. I want to respond. That's exactly to what them. Abby was saying. Yeah, I want to. I want to respond to it and be like, "Don't you see? Don't you see what you're doing is is the reverse of what you're advocating for?" So when you knock someone down, so let's let's assume this this is confirmation bias. I'm assuming. Okay, we're going to assume. Let's say something's posted, it triggers someone's confirmation bias, so they have. They've seen a lot of information that they already would be predisposed to believe in, whatever side that might be. There's now a dissenting opinion that's been presented. And again, this could be in a boardroom. This could be at the family table. This could be on Facebook. And it immediately triggers a a response. And this is the quote, the John Stuart uh, Mills quote that I read. And instead of inviting conversation... And saying, okay, so I've read a lot about this, and I've and I believe this, but that's a new opinion. Help me understand it. It's an immediate. You're there's an an immediate target on mm-hmm. not only the back of the opinion, but the back of the person, and that's where I get frustrated. And can I is, go back to what we originally that that first quote that you that you shared with us? The jo- the John Stuart Mill's one. Yes, there's something about emotions. Like I posted that because I was emotional about what is going on. I yep. need some comfort. Can someone please just like guide me in this time? Like just sit with me yep. and and be like, yeah, man, I don't know what to think. Like that's all I needed. I didn't need someone to say you're you're wrong. You're a, <laughs> no one said this, but I didn't want to hear like you're a loser. You shouldn't have posted that. But that's what I hear because I'm sensitive. Yeah, sure. But in that moment, I just needed somebody to be like, "Dude, I get it. I'm praying yep. too, and I don't, I don't really know what to think." So that and that, I, that makes me that makes me wonder about mm. this is the head and the heart, you know, combined. Yeah. If I mean, I kind of know the answer, and I think I know the answer, but. How much of what is happening, even in like the in the intellectual pursuit of knowledge, is really about competency and value and of, of the person, competency of the person, value, finding value in the eyes of other people, fear of not being known or competent or able to you know, respond like a, like a true fear, like something's happening and I, I don't know what's going on and I'm, I'm freaking out. Like how many things are happening? And, and I think we know that there are, but it's so, it's so difficult again, to use our analogy before to yell at the person, the hole and say, Hey, you're digging a really big hole. And I know you don't see that, but this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels like there's been so many, points along the way milestones in either a person's life or the collective culture that we live in that has so galvanized this sort of pick your side pick your weapon turn around face the enemy and fire and it's and it absolutely destroys the fabric of what i'll use the term i use a lot the human experience mm-hmm. whenever it's a nail you're a hammer Right. Or when everyone's a nail, you use a hammer, something like that. And, and that's, and people aren't nails, you know, people are like, we're saying they're complex beings with emotions and fears and, and trying to find value. And man, how, why is it so easy for us? And, and I've done it before. I'm not taking myself out of it. Why is it so easy for us, especially in an online forum type, like social media, to just attack someone because you've presented a view that's different than mine. Mm. It's just so sad. And I know there are, and this is just a reality. There are ideas out there that are clearly, at least least to me, clearly insane. Like there are, right. I mean, we're not going to say every, Oh gosh, is this, let me ask you this question, Alex. Okay. Is, Is every opinion equal and worthy of conversation. 
No. Explain. Is every opinion worthy? Worthy of of conversation and entertaining. So, I mean, for example, I mean, on it, Facebook? It, it depends on, on who's asking it. Are they trying to just like pull, get a fight going? Are they trying to? Right. Like that's kind of what that I, sense, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like mm-hmm. like you because we're gonna you get a lot of po- different things and people on there that maybe you would have never been exposed to before, which could be good or bad, and they present some opinions that, you know, I, there are some extreme opinions that I think most of us could all just sit there and say, okay, that's a little, that's a little bit off, probably, but the but the thing is the threshold for what's off for one person could be very different from another person, and that's when you start running into this the cognitive biases and you know, all that different stuff. I just, I just asked a question cause I, I think it's, it's something that probably comes up more hmm. than we think when we see posts coming through. Yeah. Can I go, can I go back to your, your hammer and nail analogy? So I come across this with, a, with a bunch of couples that I counsel and the person that is the hammer you know, you know, it, going back to your metaphor of the, the digging the hole, if you're yep. the, if you're the person saying, Hey, what are you doing? You're digging a hole and you're not going to be able to get out. Are you dumb? Didn't have, don't you see that? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I do that too. I mean, I think that's where a lot of fights with me and my wife come from is we get opinionated and yep. instead of carefully and caringly kind of point somebody into a mirror to help them see to walk them to that mirror and to help them see okay you're you're not as put together as you thought mm-hmm. your idea your idea is not exactly what you thought it was going to be well the person that says you know what are you doing you idiot or what are you doing it has that kind of feeling to it that person, I think, I think there's a lot of fear with that person. Yeah. There's a fear of what am I going to do when they figure out that they've messed up? And there's that, I have to control the situation before I have to pick up the pieces for the person I care about. Yeah, control. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. And, and fear is intertangled with control there's so many couples where one person is like what are you doing you idiot and it's because that person is so scared of having to put back the pieces to put together or to mend or to fix or to like there's that pressure that we have to make sure they don't do anything harmful to themselves because what if they what if they mess up what if what if they fail so i have to i have to tell them they're failing in the moment so they can stop digging it's no different than the other things we're talking about like there's almost these i've used this phrase before i don't know if it's i don't, I don't know if it's misrepresenting what's actually happening but for example, like on a post, someone will visit a post and comment on it. And I, I consider what's happening like this micro relationship. Hmm. There's a connection quickly. I mean, very small, nothing compared to what we would normally establish as, a, as a, a relationship. But there's this micro relationship where there's the person and the other person, two views, and they're they're kind of going at each other as if, like you said, it's a, a married couple or or whatever else. And they're they're one is a hammer, one's a nail and they switch that position back and forth, back and forth and argue and fight and then, you know, however it ends. But there's really no difference. I mean, it's it speaks to the the human condition mm. is that we all want to be safe. We want to be loved, we want to be known, we want to be heard, we don't want to be scared. We want to feel like we're in control at all times. And it really is the nature, I think, of of 
the argument type stuff that we're talking about, which is all those things are playing behind the scenes mm-hmm. when oh, the yeah. arguments are happening, right? So, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I study this the idea that I've I've taken with with married couples and relationships and in counseling is that fights are usually about an emotion or a a need underneath that emotion has not gotten heard or seen or noticed for some time and so then it comes out in criticism it comes out in fear it comes out in screaming or yelling or throwing things or slamming doors because that need has been suppressed so long that everything's heightened it's a pressure cooker yeah now it doesn't always happen that way but I, I, I am under the assumption, I think I believe this, that underneath fights are just this inside screaming of wanting to be heard. And I don't think you can rectify a fight with logic. <laughs> there are so many times where my couples will come in and be like, well, I just tried to tell her, you know, logically, or I just tried to tell him that you know, this wasn't going to work because of this. Like, and we'll get five minutes into that conversation and I'll be like, so what were you guys fighting about? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's never, it's never happened to me. So it kept escalating because of why? Well, I was just trying to be heard. Oh, Oh, (laughs) well, what did it feel like when you weren't being heard? And then there's the emotion and they're like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's not always like, oh my gosh. Sometimes they just leave yep. the, the counseling session going, I paid some, I paid this amount for, for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I think you bring up a good point, which is the flip side. So we've talked a lot about how there's all these disagreements and arguments and the different ways that basically could go wrong. But, mm-hmm. and I think the easy way out is saying, Someone could say, okay, I'm just not going to argue. I'm going to disengage. Yeah. So something on Facebook is there. Yeah. Or or (laughs) my mom says something or my dad says something or my sister or, you know, whatever, brother, whatever it might be. And they're just going to disengage because it's not gone well before. There's been fights before. People get Mm. hurt. And it's like, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. It's not worth it. I can just go live my live my own, not deal with this. Have it's it's the fight or flight mentality. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's this one book that we've talked. I've talked to you about. That's called "Why Are We Yelling." Mm-hmm. It's a great book, and he kind of talks about this. And his whole premise of the book is that that disagreements, arguments, are healthy and needed. Mm-hmm. And so, in the beginning of the book, he kind of gives out three misconceptions about arguments. And I want to throw this out because I feel like this is the other side of the discussion we're having: is not to disengage from an argument but to approach it with the things that we talked about, which is engaging the heart and the head, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, it's both. You you can't win. You can't win an argument on logic alone. You can't win an argument on heart alone. And in fact, if you're engaging the heart of the person, it's probably going to be less about winning the argument and more about connection with the person. Yes. I think right? that is huge. It's, it's so often not about winning the argument. It's about connection. And you, yep. yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You nailed it. You were the hammer. You were the good, <laughs> healthy hammer in that. <laughs> and you nailed it. I'll take it. So the three the three misconceptions he says are, the first one are, misconception one is arguments are bad. And that's easy, that's the easy way out is what we've been talking about. Is, well, if this happens, forget it. They're bad. And you know, he says they're actually not bad, but they can be unproductive. You just have to learn how to argue productively, which sounds so strange. And again, I recommend the book. I think it's a great book. And he goes through some of that and he talks about a lot of what we talked about, which is, you know, hiding from negative emotions, for example, which is easy to do, especially in an argument. He talks about and goes through well-researched studies that what it does when those negative emotions fester. And there's this guy named Dr. John Gottman that basically says a relationship without conflict is a relationship without communication and is bound to fail. Mm hmm. And, and, and really makes the point to say, actually, disagreements are a healthy sign. They're, they're supposed to be there. It's supposed to happen. 
That's and if there isn't, or it's all that, there those are some signs of of unhealth. There's we'll some kinda... signs of disengagement, which means that means both have taken the flight. I guess I'm <laughs> I'm typical counselor. I'm thinking in terms of of couples. Sorry. <laughs> that's that again. Like I said, if you take the thought that that little tiny moment on like a Facebook post is a micro relationship, a micro engagement. Mm-hmm. then it, it still it still applies. Uh, I mean, it really does, honestly. Yeah. The second misconception, we can talk about uh, maybe some of them in a minute here, but the second misconception is that arguments change minds. And mm. he says, we can really change only two things. And I feel like this is the most powerful thing. If we've said anything today, <laughs> this is the one thing that I, when I read this, only acknowledged what I had learned through you know, classes in school and learning to counsel and everything which was we can only really change two things, our minds and our own behaviors. That's it. That's really all we truly can change. And if that is the basis of how we engage an argument or a disagreement, it's, it's extremely freeing because I can't make you do what I want you to do. I can't make you believe what I want to make you believe. But I can only work on myself. I can own my behavior. I can engage you where you're at. And the rest is really up to the person. Mm-hmm. Especially take a thing like a Facebook post. You can't, you really, it's so unheard of to change anyone's minds through a post or an argument. It, it, it takes so much, so many more hours and conversations and care and self work. To walk along someone and jump in the hole with them and say, okay, that's an interesting point. But let's go walk together. Let's get out of the hole here and talk about it. What do you think about that? Yeah, you won't get any comments or likes or hearts. On what? On on a post like that or, or a comment. Yeah. It, people are just... That's oh, that's gonna... a really interesting point. I get it now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just gonna you know respond why? to yeah, totally. Just I get it. Either hateful or just really silly stuff that is just terrible, terrible stuff. Yeah, and that's that's because there's a lot of inherent energy behind that. Like there's mm-hmm. energy in disagreement, and yeah. and and it it's draws like it's a drawing factor. It's it's the reason why you know like the. Things like the the magazines that you see when you go up to the store and it's like right before you get online. And so it's like a, a fake title mm-hmm. and it's negative and it's whatever else. That literally draw it has this energy to it and draws people. And it's so easy to fall into. So I agree. Yeah. And that your post probably won't get either won't get a lot of likes or someone will rip it to shreds, right? If yeah. Or, or, like or it'll be like this is <laughs> this is this is social media. We're not trying to care for each other's feelings here. Yeah, the trolls, right? Yeah, I've posted some things about like, well, let's think about this. And the post <laughs> and the comment before had like 150 like likes or comments, a whole nother feed. And I was like, let's think of both sides, guys. And I didn't get anything. <laughs> Cr- crickets. Like, and I was trying to dignify both parties and nothing. This, and see, there's just because there's not a lot of energy in that. And I mean, there's energy none. in like a drawing force. Yeah, I killed it. I, and I, I, <laughs> I killed the energy. I and I would say actually, it. And this could actually be another topic for another conversation, another time. But it draws a certain type of person. But anyway, another conversation. So he says arguments have deep roots and will mm-hmm. always find a way to grow back again. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's kind of what he what we've been saying the whole time is what's on the surface like take and he uses a lot of conversation about like a weed so if you go to go to you know weed your garden and you just kind of like you know chop off the top half of the weed it looks like it's gone Mm -hmm. but you know we all know it'll be back in two weeks and and there'll be a couple more possibly because you knocked off you know some seeds or something but he has diagrams in his book that shows the weed and then underneath it shows the roots and that's kind of our conversation too is saying Every argument at its at its true core has these roots down deep. And not many people often ever engage 
at that quote root level, which is kind of what we do here, right? We talk mm-hmm. about going under the hood. They don't engage at the root level. They just kind of go at what they're seeing at face value, whether it's a political commentary or right. religious commentary or social commentary. And they go, well, what an idiot. Why would you believe that? Mm-hmm. Rather than doing some of the things that we're talking about, which is saying, okay, why are you dig- why are you digging that hole? What is that about? Why don't I jump down there with you to understand that? And, you know, I've, I've said, I, I joke around with my wife sometimes when we're talking about different things and, you know, I see something different than her and she sees something different than me. And I'll always say perspective is a funny thing. And I kind of say that jokingly, but also being serious because it, that is the reality of our lives. Mm. There is so much, so many things that require us to do real good work for ourselves and for other people and perspective can change. I mean, how many things that I had a perspective on 10 years ago that my perspective has changed and I would like to think has grown into something, you know, more mature and better. Mm -hmm. Someone could argue with me, I guess about that, but perspective really is a funny thing. It's it, it can divide. It can literally divide nations and families Mm -hmm. and couples and parents and kids and businesses and I feel like if people would just be able to kind of take some of the things that we said about here and when we engage in a, in a disagreement or an argument and just sit there and go, okay, there's much more underneath here. There's got to be more, more underneath here and just would say, right. all right, let me engage the root. Let me look under the hood. Let me use, let me use the we, let me jump in the hole with him or her right. and say, hey, what's, what's going on? Yeah. And I'd also add that you can't just you have to be careful about jumping in the hole with somebody you may need to ask them can i jump in with you yeah that's i i appreciate that that's a good warning that could go a long way i think being reasonable is being curious now do i do we do it perfectly no but i think being curious is a very reasonable thing to do it it's not the first not the first thing that comes across my mind is to be curious. Gosh, if we took a posture of being curious, that'd be pretty cool.